Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. How awesome are our youth? Yeah. Welcome to the Youth Takeover service, if you missed the start, by the way. Um, yeah, they did an incredible job. So excited. It's pretty cool to get to see the next generation coming up and being passionate, loving Jesus and getting to use their skills and talents and gifts and, yeah, glorify God. It's cool. Um. Let's get into the word. Um, Before we do, I'd just like to pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity for our youth to get to worship you and praise you and um, put together a service um, that glorifies your name, God. And um, thank you for the opportunity they get to serve their wider church family and um, I thank you for the chance that everyone else gets to see what incredible young people we have here at York Street and how incredibly blessed our church family is um, to know that that next generation loves you, God, and is chasing after you. Um, Yeah, so amazing. We thank you for that privilege, Jesus. Um, I just pray this morning as we jump into your word that um, we would... Wherever we've come from, from our weeks, that you would just settle our hearts and settle our spirits and ready to receive the word that you're speaking to us this morning. I do believe that you've placed a message on my heart to share with this congregation, God, and and I just pray that um, the words that I speak would be from you and um, that they would be received in, um, yeah, in your name, God, and I... uh, Just lift the rest of this day up to you, and I pray a blessing over us now as we um, endeavour to listen to you and grow and be challenged and learn about you, God. Um, Yeah, I just pray that you would be with us in that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So my name's Bree, for those who haven't met me before. I'm the youth pastor here at York Street, hence why I'm, look how cool our youth are. Um... So, being Youth Takeover, it is my privilege and honour to share with you this morning. Um, And as we do, I would like to ask you, well, this is my experience and I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure this is, you know, pretty universal. But I would like to ask you, have you ever been driving along in your car and maybe you've got a lot on your mind that day? Or maybe the tunes are cranking on the radio, you've got your carpool karaoke game on point, and you're just distracted. And all of a sudden you realise that you're over the completely opposite side of town to what you intended to be. I do it a bit. I cannot be alone. (laughs) Um, I think it happens when our minds are preoccupied. We find ourselves on autopilot Maybe we were intending to go to the post office, but we find ourselves making a couple of turns towards our workplace. 
often it's sort of somewhere practiced and familiar. We're on that, like I said, autopilot. It's a habitual kind of setting. Until we kind of wake up and snap out of it and we realize where we are. And I think while this can happen in such small instances in our life, I think it can happen in the bigger picture of our lives as well. When we're not being intentional about the direction we're going, we can sometimes see days, weeks, even years slipping into the distance. And sometimes we wake up and look around and think, gosh, how did I end up here? What am I doing here? Maybe you've found yourself in a new season of life and the things that gave you focus and direction before have kind of faded into the background. Maybe you've completed some studies or maybe the kids are all finally at school or maybe they've actually grown and moved out or maybe you've just stepped into retirement. All these things are transitional periods in our lives where we can easily fall back into that sort of drifting around on autopilot kind of feeling. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe life is so full stressful, hectic, and maybe you're so busy you just feel pulled in every direction, caught up in the routines and the systems that just get you through another day, that just get you through the end of the week. It's go, 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 you've got your head down and there's not a chance to look up. I'll be honest, I've experienced both of those scenarios and it's not living It's not life-giving and it's definitely not sustainable and it's definitely not joy. And even if you're not in this place right now, I think we've all experienced how easy it is to accidentally end up there. So how can we respond, especially in a year where our focus is pursuing complete joy? We've heard so far, um, if you remember, Josiah and Charlie shared about jumping into a deeper intimacy with God and pursuing joy through that, through the silence and solitude and time spent seeking God in that way. If you were here last week, you would have heard Ben share how um, getting into the Word and getting the Word in you is another way that we can be pursuing joy. So I want to put forward that another way that we can be pursuing joy is to pursue and operate in our God-given calling. We can find joy by intentionally living according to the purposes that God has placed in each of us. When we're confident in our God-given calling, life can just sort of be coming at you from all angles but you have a focus and you're driving forward and whatever's going on around you doesn't seem to touch you the same way. Your purpose is greater than the here and the now. Um, Now, (laughs) go with me on this one because would I even be the youth pastor if my sermon illustration wasn't a TikTok? Uh, (laughs) Cast your um, eyes to the screen for a moment. 
the world is blowing up around him, but he's all right. He's focused. He's got a purpose. He's driven. I can relate. <laughs> Let me ask you this. When in your life have you felt most alive, at ease, or exactly where you're meant to be? What things in this lifetime have brought you joy? Maybe it's when you were 16 and playing bass guitar in that band in your parents' garage. Maybe it's when you're underneath a classic car rebuilding it from the ground up. Threw that in there for the Tim fans who've been missing the car analogies. (laughs) Maybe you just love to have coffees with people and care for them. Maybe you love to be out in nature or gardening, working with children, the elderly, animals. Maybe you're creative or entrepreneurial or organised and administrative. Maybe you love to be with others or maybe you love to be able to make a difference behind the scenes. See, we're all created unique. No two of us are exactly the same. Even identical twins, though genetically very similar, we know that they have different dreams, different passions, different strengths and weaknesses, different hopes and desires. We hear it all the time, but I'm going to tell you again. I just want you to take a second to ponder the fact that in all of history, all the time that has been And all the time that's to come, there has never been and there will never be an exact replica of you. You are uniquely and intentionally designed. See, when an artist creates an artwork or an architect designs a building or a musician writes a song, they specifically select Each individual characteristic, each part is there for a reason, for an intention and for a purpose. God created you like this. He placed in you gifts and talents and a unique set of abilities. Your dreams, your passions, the deepest desires of your heart, God knows them. He put them there. He created you like that. And he did it for a reason. If you have physical Bibles there, won't you turn with me to... I never realised how giant my study Bible is until I tried to do that gracefully. Um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving it greater, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. See, we can sometimes end up on autopilot, distracted and off track. But our true purpose, the reason we were created, is to serve as part of the body of Christ. All the unique and different parts of the body of Christ work together to further the kingdom of God here on this earth. There's a bigger picture, bigger than the daily grind, the here and now. There's an eternity-sized picture that is all about spreading the good news of Jesus and seeing God's name glorified. And we all have a part to play. When we are confident in our purpose and our calling, we know our part. The freedom that can come from that. Because as the scripture shows, we are set free from comparison. It says that the foot shouldn't compare itself to the hand and the ear to the eye. And I mean, we've probably all done a few rounds on the comparison train before. Yeah? I can't be alone in that. We know where it goes. No, we're good. We compare ourselves to others. Often, we just end up feeling that we're lacking. Comparison is such a joy killer. Surely we want freedom from that. We set, when we're confident in our calling, we set ourselves free from striving to achieve things that we were probably never created for. When we feel like we're tirelessly pushing something uphill, it's exhausting. It kills our joy. But instead, we could be working in partnership with God, to, trusting in him to overcome 2 Corinthians 12 said that God's power is even more in our weakness. So we have freedom from ever feeling not good enough because we recognise that we're not operating in our own strength, but his. When we know that we are where God has placed us in a certain time and a certain season, 
We let go of feeling like we're standing on our own achievements and we let go of competition and anxiety. That fear that, you know, everything we've achieved could be snatched from us if someone better were to come along. When we're confident in our calling and we know that God has placed us there, we can celebrate the achievements of others without ever having to feel threatened. We have security of knowing that if God placed us there, it's not all going to fall away. Unless, of course, the Lord is calling us towards something new. So if we want the freedom that comes from being confident and secure in our calling... How? What does that look like? Let's take a look at the example of Jesus. He's a good example. Um, If you have Bibles there, you might like to turn with me to... Actually, physical Bibles will help. Um, You might like to turn with me to Luke chapter 4. From verse 14. I'm going to read... Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Essentially, what Jesus was doing there was standing up in front of everyone he'd ever grown up with and saying, it's me. I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for. He was so confident in that. Yeah. (laughs) He made no bones about it. I want that kind of authority in my calling, that confidence that I know who I am and what I'm called to do. But let's backtrack a little bit. I'm not saying that these events were particularly chronological, but I find it interesting the picture that Luke is painting here in this book. Let's just turn back to the passage before that, before he stood up there confidently declaring to the world who he was. What happened before that? If you've got a Bible there that has the little headings, Uh, Mine says, Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Satan came for him, trying to tell him, God's not looking out for you. He tried to steal his purpose and his calling from him. And if we go back a little further, the one previous to that, directly before it, I should say, is Jesus' baptism. So we've got the baptism then we've got the wilderness, then we've got a picture of Jesus standing up confidently declaring who he is. But Jesus was without sin, so his baptism wasn't about purification. 
Even John, who was baptising him, was a bit confused about that. But it marked obedience. It marked Jesus' submission to the Father's will over his life. And it was the start of his ministry. So we see Jesus submitting to his God-given purpose. But then he has headed straight into the wilderness. He has to battle it out before we see him stand confidently and firm in his identity. I find the picture that um, Luke is painting here just super relatable to our human experience. I'd like to tell you a little bit of my own journey. Um, So before I was the youth pastor here, I used to be a hairdressing teacher. um, And I worked at a college here in town. And I loved that job. I loved going into work and spending my time with all the young people and... um, Hairdressing being a practical trade, it was often young girls who maybe the formal education system had kind of failed them. Maybe it hadn't been the best experience for them. Quite often, so many of them had probably not even been told that they were ever really good at anything. Actually, the opposite. Many of them had been told that they wouldn't amount to anything. And I thought... God, what an opportunity. Use me here. I can speak life and hope and love and freedom into these young people. God, <laughs> use me here. Um, and I would pray every day before I was, when I was heading into work. I would pray, God, open the doors. Give me the opportunities. Let me minister to these girls. Um, but I kind of always felt like I was hitting a brick wall. And if I'm honest, I kind of knew that God was calling me out of there and calling me into something different. But I loved that job. And I was like, no, God, can't you see the opportunity we have here? Come on, use me. I'm available, I'm willing. (laughs) Use me here. Like, no, I'm gonna use you ever. It's like, use me here. And it got hard. It felt like I was pushing everything uphill, trying to make it work in my own strength. And eventually, what happened was the place closed down. (laughs) Whoops. Um yeah. And that was the point where I finally went, God, okay, what is it? What are you calling me to? It wasn't all magical straight away. I just lost my job. I was unemployed and I loved that job. It was a grieving process. It was insecurity for a time. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Um, But there was a weird security in knowing that, yeah, okay, God, it's your plan, not mine. That season was when I started my theological studies. But not before I'd been through the whole cycle of competition, comparison, anxiety, self-doubt, disappointment, etc., etc. So what we see is surrender, wilderness, purpose. So I think for us, the first step is surrender. 
the decision of obedience. Maybe you know what your calling is. Or maybe you feel like you've just stumbled off the track. How did I get here? Maybe you just have a little inkling what that passion or dream you have inside you that you believe is so part of who you are that God must have put it there himself when he knit you together in your mother's womb. But maybe you've just never been bold enough to step into it, surrender it to God and see what he could do with it. Maybe you're scared of what might have to change in your life for you to go after it. I've been there. Or maybe you have no idea what your calling or purpose could be. And that's okay too. See, the first step can be done today. It can be done right here and right now. It's deciding that you want it. That you want to live in your God-given purpose. Your God-given calling that you don't want to do it on your own, in your own strength, pushing it uphill anymore. You can decide that you want to live differently today. And trust me, the plans that you have for your life pale in comparison to the plans of the God who created the universe. So today, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to agree in your heart right now and say, yes, God, I want that. Lead me into your purposes. So if we go back to our passage in Luke, we then see comes the wilderness. Like I said, it wasn't all smooth sailing. This is where Jesus really starts to go through it and Satan wants to test that calling and tempt him out of it. See, It can be similar for us because we live for the kingdom of God, but we live in the kingdom of this world. And, yeah, while we're living in the kingdom of this world, Satan is prowling around looking for any opportunity to steal your purpose from you, to steal your calling from you. He wants to tell you that the things of this world can fulfill you more than the purposes of God. He wants to tell you that the things he can give you here can make you happier than God. He wants nothing more for you to abandon your calling and your purpose. And he will try to lure you away with money or power or status and false security. I say false security because it includes all that anxiety, competition, comparison. And how do I know he's going to try this with us? He tried it on with Jesus. Why wouldn't he try with us? So I cannot express how important it is to cling to God while you're exploring that. In partnership with the Holy Spirit, we need to pray and ask Holy Spirit to show us the things that have always brought us joy and made us feel alive. See, there was a hint in my story before that I might have been called to work with young people. But I definitely didn't know it yet. 
hadn't occurred to me. But through the benefit of hindsight, I can see that it was always there. Even when I was a kid, I used to gather up all the younger children in my street and draw them in close to me, kind of like that big sister, mother hen type of vibe. And it wasn't until I stepped into the volunteer role of being a youth leader a couple of years ago under Amelia that I went on my first youth camp. And it was like everything just fell into place. And I felt like I was exactly where God wanted me to be. And I also want to point out that whilst our purposes and our calling, those things that underlyingly drive us, our passions, our strengths, they can play out in our um, workplaces or our jobs, but it is definitely not limited to that. My calling didn't start when I was 18 and took up paid employment. It started long before that. And it has come into play in some of my workplaces, but it was when I was in a volunteer role that it finally revealed itself completely. So please don't think that if you're too young to work yet or you're unemployed or you're a stay-at-home parent or maybe you're retired, don't think that gets you out of this. (laughs) You still have a purpose. You still have a calling. I had never used those giftings for kingdom purposes before. In fact, I was using them for completely worldly ones, for money, for status, But those innate longings and desires that were placed within me had pulled me into a place where I was fulfilling them anyway, working with young people. I'd just never surrendered it to God before. And it was once I surrendered it to his calling that he showed me how he could use all of it for his kingdom purposes. So lastly, our purpose. Examine your life and the themes that run through it. See, someone who has a calling to see healing and restoration, they might be a doctor or a nurse or a counsellor or a prayer partner or just a really great friend. They might do hospital or nursing home visitations. Or they might just have a great listening ear. It can take so many shapes and forms. So let's filter out the distraction, the worldly influences that tell us we're not special, that unless we're rich enough or smart enough or strong enough, good-looking enough, funny enough, educated enough or respected enough, that we have nothing to offer. Let's filter out all the things that the world is telling us are more valuable, all the things that the world tells us we should stand for or stand against, and seek God. The thing with living in a fallen world, in a world affected by sin, is that Satan likes to try and flex his muscles. And some of us are a little beat up from living in this world. We're a little bruised, carry a few scars. But I want to tell you this. This world did not give you your calling and your purpose and it cannot take it away. 
No matter how young you are or how old you are, the experiences you've had or haven't had, if there has breath in your lungs, you have a purpose and a calling and you can do mighty things in the name of Jesus. If you're thinking that living cold is only for some people and probably not you, that is a lie of the enemy and I rebuke that right now in Jesus' name. And if you feel like life has really given you a beating and you have nothing left to offer, I want to tell you that you are not here by accident. God wastes nothing. Every tear, every disappointment, every fear, he can redeem it and he can use it for his glory. I just want to say that I ran away from being a youth leader for a long time. I didn't have the best experience in youth myself and I'd kind of stumbled around and I definitely wasn't like these youth that you saw this morning, standing up and declaring God's name. I definitely wasn't standing here and confidently delivering communion and leading everyone in communion. That was not me. In fact... I was the one that you would have thought wasn't going to make it. So I want to tell you, if that is you and you're not sure if you're going to make it, all you have to do is want it. God can redeem it. He can heal it. And he can use it. He wastes nothing. So let's choose freedom. Freedom from comparison, competition and striving. Let's choose to live for something bigger than the here and now. Bigger than the circumstances that surround us. Let's choose to live cold. It's going to fulfill you in ways you never even imagined. I want to end with an excerpt from Rick Warren's book, A A Purpose Driven Life. And it says, don't just settle for achieving a good life because a good life isn't good enough. Ultimately, it doesn't satisfy. You can have a lot to live on and still nothing to live for. Aim instead for a better life, serving God in a way that expresses your heart Figure out what you love to do, what God gave you a heart to do, and then do it for his glory. If you're about to embark on the journey of seeking out your calling and purpose, it may not be easy. Some things in your world might need to change. I've been there. But I can tell you it's so, so worth it. I encourage you to pray and seek God continually without ceasing. Get into the word as Ben shared last week. Maybe it means trying some new things, volunteering in some spaces that you hadn't thought of before. See how it gels. Get some trusted friends and spiritual mentors around you that will speak truth into you when the lies come. 
And we as a church would love to do it with you. If you're thinking, I wouldn't even know where to start, we would love the opportunity to point you in the right direction. So come chat to us or send us an email, write it on your Connect card. We'd love to be a part of it and we'd love to be praying for you. Let's pray. Father God, would you just speak to everyone here now? Begin to reveal the things that you placed within each and every one, things that you placed in them for your purposes, the things that you're inviting them to share with your kingdom. God, would you gently call them to take that step forward? Would you show us what it is you're calling us towards? And God, I just pray for protection over those things from the lies of the enemy. And I pray for boldness and courage, courage to step out. God, we just sang oceans. You call me out upon the water where feet may fail. And even when fear surrounds me, your sovereign hand will be my guide. We stood there and we sang that. You said, we said, Spirit, lead me. Spirit, we invite us you to lead us. We want to choose freedom. We want to choose to live cold. In your son's mighty name, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.